It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this live edition, we're going to be discussing the futures of Lucas Torreira and Matteo Guendouzi. We're going to be talking a little bit about Arsenal's interest or alleged interest in the Ajax goalkeeper, Andre Onana, and we'll be taking your questions from the live chat. Hope you're all good. If you haven't already done so, uh, I was joined earlier on by the lovely Casey Bourne uh, from BT Sport to discuss uh, some some Arsenal-related topics. We had a really good chat, and it's the last video on the YouTube channel and the last podcast in the feed. So if you haven't checked that out already, please do show Casey some love by going over and giving her a follow on Twitter as well. Let's... Uh, Say a big hello to those people who are joining us live in the comments. I can see there are plenty of you here already. Big hello to Side, big hello to Bad Boy, uh, to Nick, to Brad, to Steve, to Josh. Hope you guys are all well. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the nice weather. It's the first day in, in a few days now that we've had some sunshine here in London. Um, I think it's going to go back to pissing down with rain tomorrow, which is no surprise. Uh, but then fingers crossed we're going to get a bit of a heat wave again, uh, a little bit closer towards the end of the month. So. Yeah, the outlook is is looking better overall, even if we've got to suffer a few more days of the cloud and miserable, gloomy weather that we have here in London town. But what is definitely uh, not gloomy is um, is the European Championships. They've been excellent. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I know we've brought you a bit less Arsenal content throughout the course of the tournament, just because I don't feel like it's worth kind of doing podcasts on stuff that isn't really actually happening um we've brought you some european championship shows and i think that for me i don't know about you guys but once i get kind of into a tournament and i really focus on it and i really home in on it i actually tend to block out quite a bit of what's going on in the club football world because as we discussed on the last show there will be um you know there will be lots of rumors at the moment lots of talk lots of speculation but not a great deal of action, not a great deal of movement in the transfer window because most of the high profile players, the, the types of players that Arsenal would like to probably see come into the club are away on international duty. And therefore, logistically, as I said previously, it makes those deals a little bit more difficult to do. So, um, you know, I'm not saying ignore what you're hearing at the moment with regards to transfers. I'm sure there is work going on in the background. All I will say is maybe be a little bit patient. I know there are a lot of people who are getting a little bit edgy about the fact that, you know, there's just a couple of weeks remaining until the players return uh, back to London Coney for pre-season training and Arsenal are yet to make a signing. So I get that. I get that view. I understand it. Um, I kind of get the frustration, but just I wouldn't panic just yet if I was you. That's kind of my word of advice to try and keep yourself sane uh, during this transfer window. But without further ado, let's get into the stories that we're here to discuss on this specific episode. And we're going to lead with the story linking Lucas Torreira with a move to Lazio. Now, these reports have been doing the rounds for a few days now. However, 
some further information has emerged uh, as per Corriere dello Sport. So we know that Lucas Torreira wants to move away um, from Arsenal Football Club. We know that he just didn't settle in London. It isn't personal. He's never spoken badly of anybody in and around the football club. But it was pretty evident from the first couple of interviews, actually, that Lucas Torreira gave as an Arsenal player that he was finding it difficult to settle down in London. Last season, he lost his mother, um, which obviously made things uh, even more tough for Lucas Torreira. I think he wasn't able to get back um, to his home country to be with her, which obviously makes that, um, you know, even more difficult to kind of process. Not that it isn't a really hard time anyway, but it just adds, doesn't it, to the difficulty of kind of coming to terms with a loss like that. And he's kind of made a plea to Arsenal, hasn't he, to to sort of let him go, to let him go back to uh, to South America, preferably, um, you know, Boca Juniors, a club that have been linked with Lucas Torreira uh, quite strongly over the last sort of 12 months or so. Um, but it also seems that if that option is off the table, if the idea of kind of returning to South America is not something that can happen due to finance or whatever reason, then, you know, a move back to Italy where he was very settled before, where he does understand the language, where he is sort of more ingrained in the culture, uh, would also be better for Lucas Torreira. And with this one, I look at Lucas Torreira and I do think there's a player in there. I do think he's got some really good attributes. I think he's um, really hardworking. I think that it's unfortunate the way things have worked out for him at Arsenal, but it is probably time to just cut our losses on Lucas Torreira and bid farewell, wish him well and, and let him go on. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes things just don't fit. And I don't think you can really lay the blame at Lucas Torreira's or the manager's or anybody's door, really, because I think he was an ex exciting signing at the time he came in. I thought he started really, really well, um, you know, and and. And that was that. I can see some of you in the chat are chucking a couple of questions in there. Just bear with me. I will come to the questions in a little bit. Zim Sam uh, in the chat is very impatient at the moment. He's written uh, a question which is not Arsenal related, by the way, um, and, and he's waiting for me to answer. I will get to that, mate. I will. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to talk through these Arsenal stories. And we, as I say, we're talking about Lucas Torreira here. And um, from the reports in Correa della Sport, it appears that Lucas Torreira is uh, open and willing to move to Lazio. Now, of course, the Rome-based club recently lost their manager, Simone Inzaghi, who decided to take up the role at Inter. And you can't really blame him. Inter, of course, the Scudetto winners uh, last season. And, um, you know, of course, they're, they're a level up, a league up from, from Lazio who had a disappointing season, it has to be said. So you can understand why Simone Inzaghi's made that move. But in comes Maurizio Sarri, who's a very, very good coach, in my opinion, a very underrated coach. Got a bit of a hard time when he was here in England. I didn't necessarily think it was fair. But Maurizio Sarri's taken over the reins at Lazio, and it seems as though he is keen on Lucas Torreira. From what we are being told, Lucas Torreira has agreed personal terms with Lazio. Lucas Torreira wants to join Lazio. However, Arsenal are demanding a transfer fee of 20 million euros. And as it stands, Lazio are not willing to pay more than 15 million euros. Now, it's not just 15 million euros in one go, because if it was and I was advising Arsenal, I'd say cut your losses 
get him out the door. He doesn't want to be here. We need to move on from him. Take your 15 million euros and we move on. However, Lazio's offer consists of, well, Lazio have made, have, have proposed two payment options. The first of which is a loan for the 2021-22 season with an obligation to purchase Lucas Torreira at the end of that period for around about 15 million euros, or they want to pay in two installments, seven and a half million euros as a down payment and seven and a half million euros later down the line. I'm not sure exactly how that would be spaced out, but basically the two options they're proposing is uh, to split the payment in two or to uh, take him on loan for the entire season with an obligation to buy him at the end of that. I don't think either of those uh, are ideal. You know, I, I certainly don't think the obligation to buy thing is is the way Arsenal want to go. I think if you're going to accept somebody giving you 15 million euros in 12 months time, well, you might as well take half of it now and then take the rest of it in installments. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those situations. I think the tone crafters in the chat, um, you know, is it makes a really good point and and I think labels this quite accurately when he calls it a messy situation. That's exactly what it is with Lucas Torreira. We don't necessarily see him as part of the plans. He doesn't want to remain at Arsenal. You know, he's obviously quite picky about where he goes because he's had issues settling in in certain places and and that makes it a, a messy situation, as you say. So let's let's see how it goes uh, with Lucas Torreira. But Lazio are very serious in their interest of Lucas Torreira. And I would probably say that as this transfer window goes on, if Arsenal find themselves in a position where they're unable to offload Lucas Torreira, where they're unable to load off, uh, to offload a, n- a number of players, actually, that they probably want to get off the wage bill uh, and offer the books this summer, then I think Arsenal would probably compromise a little bit on that 20 million euro asking price for Lucas Torreira. And I think, quite honestly, you probably have to. I know I always refer to it, but we did a podcast a few weeks ago where I gave you valuations that I thought were realistic for some of the players that Arsenal might be looking to move on. And I was told that I'd kind of undervalued everybody. Well, I don't think that's the case. I think outside of the Premier League in particular, the the financial implications of COVID have been even bigger. And you're going to see clubs uh, struggling to meet asking prices. You're going to see clubs trying to do the best deal possible so that they could spread their transfer budgets out or, or get as many players in as they need. And it's just a very, very different market. Um, it's not a seller's market. And, and that's just the way it is. It's the reality. Let's talk a little bit about Matteo Genduzzi because it seemed like Matteo Genduzzi uh, was headed for Marseille. However, uh, reports emerging from Portugal over the last 24 hours have suggested um, that Benfica are also keeping tabs on the Frenchman and are interested in signing him. Um, that comes after we've heard that Borussia Dortmund are also uh, in the race for Matteo Genduzzi. So it seems there are a number of clubs who have been put on red alert uh, by Matteo Genduzzi's situation and whom are exploring the possibility of signing the Frenchman. Now, I've always said this. Matteo Genduzzi has ability. Matteo Genduzzi has potential. However, his attitude is wrong. His, you know, his, the way he carries himself, the way he goes about things is wrong. And that puts people off. But I do think that if Arsenal 
are selling Matteo Genduzzi this summer, which we, we think they are, then, you know, it is the kind of transfer that some clubs will look at and say, well, he's a bit of a maverick. He can be a bit of a problem, but there is potential there. And so we're going to take a punt on him. We're going to take a gamble on him. And I wouldn't blame these clubs for doing that because I do think that Matteo Genduzzi is the type of person, if you put your arm around him, if you can keep that attitude um, or if you can improve his attitude, if you can keep him focused on the football and focused on developing and pushing forward, he can be a very, very good player. The only problem is that he's a, a ticking time bomb that could explode at any point. But sometimes there are managers out there who will fancy themselves to be able to almost tame the wild horse, if you like. And that's what Matteo Genduzzi is for me. Now, the reason people are talking about the Marseille deal not necessarily being a, a 100% certainty anymore, as it seemed to be, what, three or four days ago, is because they've had a 20 million euro offer accepted by Flamengo for the Brazilian midfielder Gerson. So have Marseille switched their attention elsewhere? Have Marseille decided that for that sort of money, Gerson is a, um, is a better option? I don't know. I'm not big uh, in French football. I'm not... Uh, particularly sort of in the know when it comes to French football. So I don't know whether Marseille's plans were to recruit one or, or more midfield players. But Gerson plays in a, a similar position to uh, Matteo Genduzzi and they've had an offer accepted for him. So does that mean that Marseille's interest in Matteo Genduzzi is now off? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But Benfica, Borussia Dortmund also said to be interested. So We've got to watch this space with Matteo Genduzzi. Again, you know, it's, it's a bit of a shame because, as I've said time and time again, he, he has what it takes to go on and become an Arsenal legend. But he does it's not right up here. And, you know, we've seen players like that come to the Emirates in the past or come to Highbury in the past. You know, the best example I could give of someone whose ability was just so much better than his attitude and his mindset was Nicola Anelka. And, you know, he went on to have a good career because he was that damn talented. But, you know, he, he could have done so much more. And I think when Doozy's one of those players who will look back at his career when he's 35, 36 years of age and say, I could have done this differently and I could have done that differently and I could have hit heights that I never, ever expected. So, yeah, very different. Um, you know, it, it's very horrible, isn't it, to look back um, and, and, and have regrets. Ansgar in the chat says, uh, this attitude thing is so overhyped. Even the quotes from Hertha coach Dada were totally misquoted. The actual issue, in my opinion, is that our coach isn't able to cope with personalities just like Pep. Well, Pep Guardiola's had some of the biggest stars in world football. How can you say he cannot, um, you know, he cannot, um, he cannot handle stars or people with personalities. I, I don't agree with that. And it's not just the comments though, is it? Um, Ansgar from, from Dada is comments from uh, Luis Campos has been talking about him as well in the last sort of few days. He said that he still needs to mature. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta clearly thinks that we know Jeremy Ali Adier, who was on this show, who trained and played with him when he was breaking through at Lorient in France shares that opinion as well. So there are a number of people who have this same thing to say um, about about Matteo Genduzzi. I'm not sure why, you know, this is it. Didn't he do this or something when he was walking off the pitch against Brighton? Like, you know, that that for me is someone who can't keep a lid on his emotions and can't keep a lid on kind of the way he's feeling. And that can be 
you know, if you can learn to channel that emotion into your game and you can learn to use it in, um, you know, in the right way, it's great. It's a great thing to have. But if you can't, then it isn't. Ansgar says Theo did that too. Yeah, but Theo did that against Tottenham in an North London derby when they were giving him abuse in the corner because he was um, because he was going off injured. It's a bit different. Tottenham, Brighton, they're not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. Um, in other news, uh, a lot of people have been talking about the Andre Onana interest or reported interest in Andre Onana. The Ajax goalkeeper, of course, had his uh, doping ban reduced by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And it seemed in the eyes of many that that was going to open the door for Arsenal to come and swoop in and take him away from Amsterdam. However, there's been no movement on that. And uh, Charles Watts reported this morning that there has been no bid. There has been nothing concrete. The Arsenal did reach out to Onana's representatives uh, to congratulate them on managing to get that ban reduced. But nothing further uh, has happened with regards to that. So, you know, I do wonder, and, and Charles Watts said this as well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to take credit for it. Charles Watts said he, he wonders if the Leno situation is playing a part in this, and it probably is. You know, can you afford, I think is what he said, to have two elite-level goalkeepers? I don't think Bert Leno's elite. I think he's in the bracket below. I think the same of Onana. But can you have two keepers of that level um, at your football club without European football? Probably not. And I, so I do think Arsenal's interest in Onana is probably contingent on what's going to happen with Bernd Leno. And as it stands, Bernd Leno is staying put. Let's get some of your questions in the live chat box. Let's see what you guys have to say. I'll pick out uh, a few before we wrap up. Uh, let me go back to a question from uh, Zim Sam that came right at the beginning of the show. And you can see why I left it till the end, Zim Sam, mate. It's not, um, it's not really an Arsenal-related question, I don't think. But he says, I don't like the agenda against Mason Mount from Arsenal fans, obviously referring to England. He says Mason is far better than Saka. First of all, I don't think he's far better than Saka. But second of all, I, I don't know why you think people have an agenda against Mason Mount. I think for me, when I look at that England side, I'd have Mason Mount in it. I'd just have him in a slightly deeper position because I think the likes of Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, they bring a little bit more flair, in my opinion, and creativity and guile into those areas than Mason Mount does. So it's not an agenda against Mason Mount. I actually quite rate the player, but he's just not, you know, he's he's not a Jack Grealish. They're a different player. And, and I would want that kind of player in my side, which means you've got to drop him back. Plus, as lots of you point out in the comments, how the hell can you can uh, compare Mason Mount and Bukayo Saka? They're playing completely different positions. So um, there you go. Don't think anybody said they don't rate Mason Mount. I'm not really sure. Uh, where that's come from, but you obviously felt you needed to get it off of your chest. Uh, Matt says there is still a lot of time in this transfer window. However, pre-season training starts in just 14 days with a large squad overall incoming. Will Arteta have enough time with the new players? Oh, I think that's probably uh, a large reason why we're, we're hearing reports that um, Arsenal have borrowed money in order to try and get their transfer business done early rather than kind of relying on on selling uh, first, but the reality is it doesn't always work like that. You know, it the, the clubs need to to kind of tango with one another. You need the, the agents to be on board. You need the player to be on board. So there's a lot of factors that will be outside of Arsenal's control with regards to how quickly we can get these deals done. I think whilst pre-season training starts in, in just 14 days' time, there will be players that join that late, Matt, because of the European Championships. So that isn't going to be 
Mikel Arteta's definitive squad. Um, you know, there will be players to come back into it, uh, into the picture, etc., etc. But, you know, yeah, in an ideal world, you know, it'd be great if he had more time with those players. But, you know, I wouldn't put it past Arsenal doing a lot of their business late on in the window like we have done in years gone by, like many teams do. Um, you know, often, unless you wait till the end of the window, you're not going to get the best prices. You're not going to get the deals that you want because nobody wants to budge. Nobody wants to let up. Nobody wants to give way. So negotiations at this point in the window, I think, are harder. Um and, uh, and we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, you're right. You know, he, uh, if there is going to be a number of top players coming in, then he, he, it would be nice, wouldn't it, if he had a little bit longer uh, to get things done. Fuaban says, I don't understand why people can't see Arteta's man management skills are terrible. It, there's a fine line, right, between being a bad man manager and just not taking shit. And Arsenal, for too many years, have had managers who have just taken shit, who have let players get away with absolute murder, who have let players constantly underperform without any jeopardy, without any fear of being left out of the side, being moved out of the side. And so I quite like the fact that Mikel Arteta is the way he is. Uh, has he at times cut his nose off to spite his face with certain players? Yeah, I think he probably has. But the only way you really change that culture in the longer term is if you do that and you ride through it and you battle through it. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And if you want to kind of get people to understand what the culture should be, then you have to take a hard stance and you have to you have to be like that to a degree. So I haven't really got an issue with that. And, and I think, you know, you can probably name a few players who is man management of has, has maybe been questionable, but equally you could name a load who have really thrived working under Mikel Arteta, have got better in some cases and who wouldn't have a bad word to say about him. So I think there's a balance to be found here between Mikel Arteta man managing people effectively, but also he's got to be an authoritative figure. He cannot allow people to walk all over him because if that happens, the culture at the club never changes. What else have we got here? A uh, big shout out to Paul Neil. He says, hi, Harry, I'm back in the office and can't catch the live streams, but I appreciate all the content and keeping us up to date on the Gunners. Thank you very much, mate. And I hope it all goes well uh, back in the office. Uh, what else have we got here? We're going to pick up one more from Josh. He says, would you take Kessier from AC Milan? Oh, I would love Frank Kessie to come. Um, I really, really rate the guy. I think he's got it all. I think he would be the perfect player to sit alongside Thomas Partey because he does all the things that, you know, we want Thomas Partey to do, drops into the right defensive spaces, wins possession, breaks up play, is strong, is physical, is athletic, but can add, but has goals, um, has assists, has the ability to produce both of those things and contribute a lot more in the attacking third of the pitch. I'm a massive, massive fan or Frank Kessie, I'd love to see him uh, at the football club, but it's going to take a lot of money uh, to get him over to the Emirates, that's for sure. Uh, let me just pick up this uh, last one from Chris. He says, Harry, would you take Renato Sanchez? Uh, Renato Sanchez is a player I've never really been sure about. I know there was a lot of hype about him when he first broke through and he looked quite good. And then he went on a bit of a sort of shit spell, shit run and kind of, just got lost in the pool of kind of average footballers and 
you know those wonder kids you know that that kind of threatened to go uh to go on to bigger and better things and they never really fulfilled that i that's how i see renato sanchez however um you know he looks okay when he plays for portugal and i don't know how much you can go by that uh but no not for me i, I don't think he's uh, he's worth that sort well i don't think he's worth big money especially in the summer where we're going to have to be very clever um about how we kind of how we do our business how we go about our business etc cetera, etc cetera. uh so no not for me wouldn't be a worthwhile buy but that's just my opinion right um just a quick reminder if you haven't done so already make sure you hit the like button let's check in where we are right now in terms of likes i can see there are over 150 of you watching us across the multiple platforms as things stand but in terms of likes we appear to be very light we've only got 23 so let's at least get that up to 70 75 by the time the outro plays a uh, big thank you to all of you for tuning in live big thank you to those of you who can listen to this back later on uh enjoy the football tonight because there's some cracking games on uh, at euro 2020 so enjoy that i'm particularly looking forward to france versus portugal that should be a cracker and i'll catch you all very soon uh for some more arsenal and euro 2020 content until then take care ciao listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.